The Holy Gospel according to Luke in the 21st chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, Jesus said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. They asked him, Teacher, when will this be, and what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, Beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famine and plagues, and there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven above. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. So I was um, recently lovingly conscripted by the great ladies at the Synod office to write some Pray Faithfully devotions. And I decided, well, I'm preaching this Sunday, so I suppose I will write them on this text. So um, I spent a lot of time in this text, and one of the things that really was going in deep for me was all the history behind this text. So everybody buckle up. We're going to get ready for a little history lesson today. So I hope you enjoy that. <laughs> So today we are in the Gospel of Luke, and the author of Luke is widely thought of to be also the author of the book of Acts, so we get him being very interested in stories of Jesus, but also in the story of the church at the very beginning, when people were first starting to figure out how do we worship Jesus and be faithful in that way. And this is something that might come as a little bit of a shock to you, so if you need to gasp, that's okay. Um, but Luke wasn't somebody who was just following Jesus around. He probably wasn't even alive at the time that Jesus was alive. Okay, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> ah, <laughs> I know, like the first time you hear that, it can be pretty, it can be pretty shocking to hear. But the author of Luke, whose name may or may not have been Luke, actually lived a while after Jesus and wrote this gospel somewhere between the year 80 and the turn of the century. So to place it all, Jesus lived from the year 
Zero, good, yeah, good job, guys. Two, 33, wow, look at you and your history knowledge. Great job, everybody, right? That's why your 33rd year is called your Jesus year. Um, I'm on the cusp, so I'll tell you how it turns out. <laughs> anyway, so Jesus is living from zero to 33, and Luke's gospel was written about 50 years after that. So he probably wasn't somebody who got to witness Jesus's ministry firsthand. And then there was this 50-year span, and we all know a lot can happen in 50 years. And a lot did happen since Jesus died, was resurrected, and ascended. One of the most pivotal things was that there was this war. And this war culminated in the destruction of the temple. Jesus's predictions, the ones that he's talking about in this gospel where the temple is destroyed, they come to fruition. And this is where the author of Luke is probably witnessing that firsthand. A lot of trials, a lot of tribulations, a lot of horribleness in the wake of war and the temple being destroyed. So the way that that happens is that during the time of Jesus, the Jewish people are kind of flying under the radar of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire is a colonizing empire, right, in the land of Judea and in Jerusalem. And so whenever we get those texts about the Pharisees and the scribes trying to kind of like be like, hey guys, you need to kind of live low, right? We, we don't want to get in trouble with the Romans. Like, it's very fair because later what happens is that there become these uprisings within the Jewish community. Um, some of the Jewish different sects of people, there's like the Pharisees, the scribes, all those different people, they kind of start infighting amongst one another, and then there are these revolts against the Romans. And that escalates into war in the year 66. So we get the year 66, there's this war, they're trying to overthrow the Romans. By the year 68, the Romans have squashed them all in all of Judea. And then in the year 70, the Romans are trying to take back the city of Jerusalem. And that begins around Passover time in the spring of the year 70. And about five months later, the temple is destroyed. So all of that, all of that is happening in the background of when Luke is writing this text. Those are his probably firsthand experiences. And it should start to sound a little bit ominous and a little bit like, oh, that sounds familiar, because that is exactly what Luke is talking about in this gospel. So there's a couple of ways, then, we can kind of interpret all of this. We can, we can take out the author of Luke and his lived historical experience, we can just see it as Jesus predicting an end times, a time that maybe not even we have experienced yet. Indeed, I, I asked the 8.30 service this, if you could think of different apocalyptic or end times types of things in our culture, and they couldn't. Um, I, can, I can think of quite a few. Anybody got any? Hmm? 
Nuclear war, yeah, that one's real. I'm thinking about like in literature and movies. <laughs> Doom and gloom over here. <laughs> but like, I'm thinking like The Hunger Games, that's an apocalyptic movie that's recent. There, there's those I Am Legend movies with Will Smith a few years ago. Hey, hmm? The Walking Dead, yeah. Lots of zombie-related um, apocalyptic ones, yeah. There's those Zombieland movies. There's a lot. We as a culture are pretty obsessed with the end times, so it shouldn't be surprising that in this text we think immediately end times, the end of the world as we know it. So that's one way to look at it. A second way is to keep Luke's history, the historical context of what Luke is experiencing, in the text and say that Jesus in this passage is speaking directly to the destruction of the temple in 70 and all of the violence and war and famine and terrible things that Luke is experiencing at his time. He's not talking to us today. So that's a second way. But here's a third way we can look at it. We could say that Jesus could be predicting an end time that we don't know about yet. Jesus could be talking about Luke's own lived experience. And Jesus could also be talking about what we experience today in the here and now. Because just as Tom said with nuclear stuff, I'm assuming that when you were listening to this gospel, you heard some things that sound mighty familiar, right? whether it's the, the hurricanes or threat of different weather things that Jesus predicts, right, global warming. Maybe it's the political turmoil, the insurrection that Jesus names, or nation rising against nation. Maybe it's the plague or the threat of illness. Anybody remember that thing called COVID, right? Yeah, there are a lot of ways to see this text as reflecting our own current global situation. So here's something that is pretty extraordinary about the Gospels and about all the things that Jesus says. And I want you to listen closely, okay? If you don't listen to any other things in this sermon, listen to this. Jesus has this wonderful way of speaking to us in our current time and our current place through the Gospels no matter what we are experiencing. And you know what that special thing is called. Yes, it's the Holy Spirit. I heard somebody say it. Good job. Yay. <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit at work through Jesus. So here's where we're at today. We've got a gospel with a lot of not-so-good news, and we might connect a lot with that not-so-good news. Death, disease, natural disasters, political infighting. It can be easy to get bogged down by all of that. It can be easy to look at this gospel and not hear any good news. But this is Jesus we're talking about, so there's always something. So after Jesus lists all that bad stuff, he says something pretty radical. He says that this really tough, not-so-good time, it's going to give you an opportunity. An opportunity to 
testify, to testify. And I know that word may sound very legalistic, like you're going in front of a judge or a court, but it simply means that when the going gets tough, you're going to be able to remember how God is at work in your life and in the world. And Jesus doesn't stop there because you're not going to have to remember or gather that wisdom on your own. Jesus is going to give it to you. Jesus is going to give you that wisdom in your time of need. That's what Jesus means when he says, this will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. Jesus promises that when the going gets tough, he will be there and he will offer the wisdom we need to be sustained through it all. And we could stop right there. But I have a little story for you today as well. So many of you know I was away, not last week, but the week before. I was on a retreat at Luther College, and that's where I attended college. I went with Pastor Bree. We spent a nice week there. But I hadn't been back there since I graduated. And for me, that felt like a long time. So I've spent a lot of the time I was there really reflecting and remembering on my own college experience. I would say that it was like a pretty good college experience, you know? It wasn't perfect. I was a young person, and that alone means trials and tribulations and difficult things. I think what I struggled with the most a lot of the time was feeling confident in myself and even confident in my own faith and especially with fitting in, in my own faith. You see, campus ministry was great, but it was also a, a place with some interesting cliques and groups, and I just didn't feel like I fit in. So there was a point where I was really missing my home congregation, and one of the girls from campus ministry reached out to me and invited me to go to church with her in town. And I was really excited. I said, yeah, absolutely. Um, little did I know that when I got to this church, I had to sit through a half an hour sermon, which that wasn't the huge problem. <laughs> but it was a half an hour sermon all about divorce and how nobody is allowed to get divorced. You just need to buck up and figure out how to fix things. Now, at that specific point in my life, that was kind of a vulnerable point for me because my own parents had been married for about 36 years, and things back at home were not good. My sister and I had been urging my mom to leave my dad for quite a long time. So it was really awful to sit through that sermon and to be told that my mom, someone who I really loved, her pain didn't matter and that she should just buck up and stay married. And so I left that church that day feeling horrible. I left feeling like faith was kind of nothing to me. Like, if that was the message of Jesus, I just didn't really want to hear it. And I stopped going to church for quite a while. But that's, 
that's not the end of the story. Because <laughs> I'm here today. <laughs> Just as the trials and tribulations that Jesus speaks about, he says, too, they're not the end. They're not the end of the gospel. Because I, I did find my faith, again, in a very unexpected way. It wasn't through the church community. It was through this class on Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Now, if you don't know, Dietrich, we're going to get a little more history today. History all day today. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a Lutheran pastor in Germany during the Holocaust. He spoke out against the Nazis, and he was also involved in a plot to kill Hitler. He wrote a lot about faith and discipleship and radical love for the neighbor up until he was executed by the Nazis. And that class reawoken something in me. It taught me a wisdom about Jesus that I needed to hear so badly. It taught me that Jesus' main priority was the love that we have for one another and love for our neighbors, that that is what our faith is made up of. In a time when I needed Jesus the most and wasn't finding the good news, Jesus showed up for me in that Bonhoeffer class. Now, I know that in our lives and in the world, there will be a lot of trials, a lot of tribulations. There will be times when our world feels so broken that you just don't even know how God could be at work or moments when your faith feels like it's on the edge of a knife. Those are the times when we need Jesus' words today, when we need to remember what Jesus promised, that when the going gets rough, you will be given all the wisdom you need. The Gospels provide many stories, many stories to speak to many different times and places, and Jesus comes into any time and any place that we might find ourselves. Jesus meets us where we are, just as Jesus met the author of Luke, the first church community, the people who were reeling after the destruction of the temple. And Jesus knows exactly the wisdom that we need. So today, I don't know exactly what all of your trials might be, but I do know this. I know that wherever you might find yourself at, Jesus will be there too, and the wisdom will be given to you. So thanks be to God for that. Amen.